This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. to the 1912 Exiles podcast, a Newport County podcast made by the fans for the fans. I'm Ed, it's Thursday night, I'm sat in the Moranja, which can only mean emergency pod record, fresh out of tonight's open uh, meeting for supporters. Yeah, I've come here to try and pick some bones out of it with Dan Grace. Hi Dan. Hi, hi Ed. Uh, Dan was on uh, after the last meeting, chatting with Jamie, it was the first time we've met, so we're going to try and make sense of what was said in the meeting. For those of you who weren't there, the slides, we'll stick a link in the show notes to where you can see the slides from the meeting. Maybe the best thing to do is start off, I'm, I'm going to kind of read through the notes that I was hastily scribbling down and then I'll, I'll come to you, Dan, and ask about um, what you think the, the, the key points and the key takeaways were. But firstly, all the discussions about potential new owners or potential investors, um, it was all in very sort of general terms. No names were mentioned, no details were, were gone into uh, particularly but we were given some reassurance, again, in general terms, about the sort of current financial position. The club is running um, things as tight as it can, uh, given the, the structural deficit that exists. And that was sort of where we started with, yeah, Sean Johnson setting out um, that situation. And then he passed over to Colin Everett, who um, I think we said a few pods back is, has been kind of leading on the discussions with the potential investors. Um, and yeah, he said that things are moving quite fast. There are two potential leaders investors um, and we'll, we'll speculate perhaps later as to who those might be and they're very keen to make progress um, over the course of the next month and it sounds as though the target is to have a sort of heads of terms agreement uh, by the end of, of August with uh, one investor or a combination of investors um, having done due diligence so that um, the, the trust members can have a, a vote on how they want to proceed. One thing that I thought was quite interesting that Colin said was that um, although 
Uh, we've been trust-owned since 2015. He made reference to the fact that we've been supporter-owned since the club's uh, reformation in 1989. And I thought that was, that was quite an interesting choice of language. It indicated to me um, that there is a intention by the, the trust board to try and make sure that Newport County remains in the in the hands of someone who is a a county supporter um, in in some sense, and so that we retain that status of of having supporters uh, running the club. The board were very honest, though they feel the trust model isn't sustainable um, in the league, and they set out why they see Exeter and Wimbledon perhaps as uh, exceptions to that, um, and said that yeah, in in light of that, moving to a hybrid model is kind of what they're. Um, looking to to present trust members with an offer around but that they wouldn't look to uh, offload completely the trust's shareholding the trust currently holds 79% of shares in the club um, and although a new investor would presumably want to hold 51% of the the equity in the club the trust would seek to retain a minority stake and potentially try and get some of the other minority shareholders to uh, transfer their ownership to the the trust so that it can retain that uh, that stake the other thing that uh, was said that any, was any potential investor would need to come in and pay off the debt uh, and cover the structural deficit for the season. And if an investor can't do that, then it's going to be the, the trust members and the trust board who would have to seek to do that and come up with around half a million pounds over the, uh, over the coming months. So that's the, that was the situation. And then in terms of where we're up to with conversations with investors, um, Colin Everett said, yeah, any investor will need to cover the uh, the debt and the structural deficit um, and would look to do that in return for sizable equity uh, in the club, which I took to mean 51%. Two lead investors have been uh, uh, have already got to sort of advanced stages with their discussions. The trust board has suggested that they might want to at least have a dialogue with each other and ponder working together, and that may be something that we'll we'll come to. Yes, as any new investor uh, puts in more more and more money from the twenty four twenty five season onwards, they may look to issue more shares to themselves in uh, to reflect that investment, uh, and in doing so, that might dilute the trust minority stake. So the trust needs to maintain its annual investment. That's really important if the trusts. Um, uh, status uh, as a as a kind of minority shareholder and a minority investor um, is to uh, be maintained. And the final point that I scribbled down before they got to the Q and A was that, um, of course, anything needs to be ratified by uh, trust members. And I thought it was interesting that Colin Everett said, although they could theoretically do that by a, uh, a simple majority vote, they are going to look to get three quarters, 75% of voting trust members to support any changes um, because I think it's really important that this has a, a big mandate. So it would be a, an extraordinary um, motion that was put to trust members rather than an ordinary one. So um, so those were my scribbles. I don't know, Dan, I'll hand over to you. What, what, which of those points or, or points I haven't scribbled down struck you as being particularly important? I'm quite struck by the speed that things are moving um, I thought Colin raised a really important point um, regarding being a trust member obviously if people want to have a, a say in this vote um, when a special general meeting's called um, there's going to be about two weeks notice and if you're not a trust member before that then um, then at the end of the day you won't get a vote in, in how how the club's um, future will look going forwards Oh, and, and also, which I thought um, would be a really important point, so, so Colin raised, um, th- this hasn't been decided yet, but um, there was questions around when um, the, the potential investment was put 
to the the trust where the the investor would come along and have the opportunity to kind of present themselves in front of um, all the trust members and and for me I think that would be something that would be really really important because I'd love the opportunity to ask any potential investor um, it's, it's, I mean it's easy for them to write down prospectus how they see things going but it's another different thing to sort of hear it from the, the horse's mouth kind of thing so that that would be really important for me. Yeah I'd agree with that I mean I think it, it's important for the fans and the, the trust members as well to see the whites of the eyes of, of whoever's bidding for the for the club because of course the trust board will have done it and they'll have done their due diligence and, and everything else but uh, it's it comes back to something I said earlier you know we may not we may not be a trust owned and a trust run club um, for for much longer but I think fans would want to feel that we are still supporter owned and that you know we we have people running the club who have our best interests at heart and it's very difficult to do that if someone's just sent a prospectus or is joining over a zoom call I think you want to see that they're there and that they they mean it so yeah I think that's a that's a massive point and really important and and I think that's really key as well is um, and it can't Colin highlighted that um, once any once if any potential investment comes on board that's not the end of the trust the trust still has a really important role to play and quite rightfully any potential investor is going to look at the amount of investment that they make and if we're still minority shareholders the trust is going to still need to continue putting money in so after that that day it does seem like they're very much going down the the hybrid model route rather than taking away all you know trust involvement the trust is still going to be going forwards and um, it's going to be really important that we continue to to fund the trust going forwards at the end of the day i think the other thing that was quite usefully touched upon i mean i i don't find it particularly helpful to get too involved in talking about on on pitch matters in relation to ownership because i think it's important to like slightly disaggregate the two but having said that we do have probably the lowest playing budget in the entire football league um reference was made to the fact that yeah coco has uh has got to kind of work magic this season just to keep us up and the point was made and i think it is a fair one that one of the reasons why the club the, the trust do want to move fairly swiftly with all of this is that if they can sort out the ownership stuff in september october sort of time then hopefully that means that by the time the january window rolls around graham Cochrane will have uh, a bit of a fighting fund should he need it in order to invest in in the club because actually if we lose our football league status then suddenly we become a much less investable commodity for anyone so um, we do need to have half an eye on that even if um, like i say it isn't necessarily too helpful to conflate the issues of ownership and on-field stuff because that you know they are very different um different things well, I, I did think it was interesting how they almost tried to kind of turn the fact how you know we don't have any assets we don't have you know we don't own a stadium we don't own a training ground into a a positive and kind of say that like investors would have to be serious about wanting to grow Newport County because at the end of the day there's nothing that you know they can't knock down our stadium and put houses on there for example because we don't have a stadium to knock down so they're given that it was a really fair point I thought and given that that anybody who who was coming into the club would be um would be credible and would would have the best interest of the club at heart yeah and I mean the other thing that really strikes me about that and it was the the one question that I asked was about the extent to which potential investors have been asked to look uh, to to kind of work together and at least have a dialogue about potentially working together is because anyone who comes in and puts money in certainly isn't expecting to make a quick buck because there's nothing to make a quick buck out of so if they want to come in 
at least partly out of kind of generosity to try and help a club that they feel an affinity for um, you would imagine to what extent are they willing to work together because if you've got two three four potential investors and they all work together then that means you've got two three four times as much money to spend and really i guess it then comes down to the egos of those involved how much do they want to be a football club chairman versus part of a kind of broader consortium and you know we can speculate about some of the names we can have a bit of fun um you know i think probably the ones that everyone knows you know david buttress i think has been sniffing around john pratt's name has been in the frame for a while i saw tonight that um the former swansea chairman hugh jenkins his name has been mentioned you know all of those actually sound like quite good options you know they're all quite successful in in business two out of the three have a link to newport county a different two out of the three have experience in in sport um so they've all got good things to offer you'd like to think that there would be a, a willingness um to at least explore what a kind of joint bid would would look like i thought it was interesting that yeah when he was asked about that colin indicated that the the trust board would like them to have those conversations but you know they will all have other people they're working with consortia behind the scenes and it, it, you know there may be more factors at play which is entirely fair enough but certainly chatting to a few people before the meeting you know as fans i think you look at it and think god wouldn't it be great if they could all work together and we could actually have a bit a bit more money a bit more investment and a bit more in terms of like skill set yeah definitely and i find the, the hugh jenkins one a, a really interesting one because obviously he's got the um the experience of working with a, a um uh, supports trust down in in swansea um there's also the um the new person who's come in from um from who, who used to work for swansea in in the marketing and commercial department which you wonder if there's a little bit of a link there but to me that kind of goes back to to what i was saying earlier about having the opportunity to ask these people questions because i'm not discrediting you know hugh jenkins as an investor at all he could be brilliant for newport county but there are a lot of Swansea fans who were not happy with the way that he left Swansea and it would be great to have the opportunity to ask him about that so um, again it just goes back to the point that I'd be really interested to, to hear from any potential investors on their their kind of vision for, for Newport County but I, I, I've come out of it feeling um, a lot more reassured and I think to be fair to the board the way they're communicating with fans now is is a lot better than it was say for example six months ago i don't think they had to have this meeting they could have just kind of left it until a concrete proposal came through but it does feel like they're trying to bring the fans along with the process all the way which which i think you've for all the stick they've got you've got to kind of commend them for yeah and i thought it was really significant tonight that a couple of times people made a point of saying thank you to the the board for the time they're giving up you know on a voluntary basis to to do their best in a very tight situation and on both occasions they got a round of applause and i think that was absolutely right that that is recognized and as always i wouldn't be doing my duty if i didn't say any uh, trust board members listening or indeed any investors if you want to have a chat on the pod we would uh, be delighted to host you you can uh, you can get in touch slide into our dms as they say and yeah so i think that that was um a, a point that was that was well made um the other thing that um i scribbled down that i thought was really interesting was they did indicate that one of the things that they've talked to all the potential investors about is this need for investment in off-field staff so a general manager or chief exec um you know investment in the commercial side of things you know presumably the comms and stuff as well and i think that's so important because it's something that i think anyone who's been just around the club has noticed that you know we haven't had anyone performing that sort of general manager role for a while 
um, it's no disrespect to the people who've been doing the kind of marketing roles and the the comms roles that you know they're often quite quite junior um, you know early stage in their their career they do very good jobs under um, trying circumstances for not very much money as far as I'm concerned and again you know they deserve our thanks as well but actually investing in some of that infrastructure and personnel I think would be would be massive for us because we do punch above our weight um, at the moment but you know as any boxer tells you eventually you do get knocked out if you keep trying to punch above your weight for too long so um, I thought that was that was important that they, they'd recognize that as a, an area that, where there needs to be some uh, some investment so yeah I thought all of that was um, was good and yeah just to reiterate the point that you made earlier if they get to the point where they they sign a sort of heads of terms agreement at the end of august and they then give two weeks notice for a meeting where there will be a formal vote what they said tonight is the um the people entitled to a vote will be the people who are trust members the day before the details of the meeting are published so effectively you you probably need to join the trust by the end of this month at the absolute latest if you want to have a vote in that so even if you're havering and sitting on the fence with it I would I would sign up to that direct debit fairly swiftly if I was you because um, you know you you want to have your say and and worst case scenario you get to contribute a small amount of money towards uh, the trust going forward which as we've already said you know the trust is going to need to continue its investments so um, if you're not a member of the trust you really really should be uh, anything else you wanted to kind of add no no nothing from me I think we've covered everything off there but yeah well before we finish I mean we, we should. We shouldn't forget that um, Newport County played one game of football this week and play another one on on Saturday. Um, I wasn't at the Charlton game because I was doing battle with uh, customs checks at Bristol Airport. But you were there, Dan. So um, for those of us who who couldn't make it, um, looking at the stats from that game, County had like 29% of possession and yet somehow came out winning 3-1. It looked like a proper sort of Jekyll and Hyde performance. What, What the hell happened? Well, I've got to be honest, I'm not 100% sure on those possession stats because, first of all, the thing that struck me was how front foot we were. So the general impression that I've got from Coughlin in the past has been we set up 3-5-2, we kind of tried to soak up a little bit of pressure, we'll kind of press where we can, but it's very much kind of defence first. Now, the team sheet came out about an hour before the game and I had no idea where anybody was going to play but we set up in a, a 4-2-3-1 so well I, view, I thought it was a 4-2-3-1 to start with in the first half we had um, we had Evans playing left back which was, was interesting within a flat four um, but the thing that really struck me is, is how how we try to close down the Charlton defence so when the Charlton defenders got the ball and they tried to pass it into midfield Bennett, Morris, Wildig, Charlesley, uh, Palmer Holden were absolutely relentless in trying to wing the ball back higher up the pitch and in the first half we kind of struggled a little bit with our with our final ball and I did think we were really unlucky to go um, to go 1-0 down on the stroke half time and you kind of think playing a team in a uh, higher division they'll have half time they'll come out they'll put a couple of goals on us but when we were winning the ball back high up the pitch in the second half we really started to add a bit of quality to 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 our final ball um, and the, the goal that um, that Wildig scored to, to start it off it was won by winning the ball really high up the pitch um, just before we went uh, 2-1 up um, Cotland made a change and he put he swapped Evans from left back to striker I'm not sure there's many other players who would go from playing left back to striker in the football league 
But within about 30 seconds, uh, Bonswell came on and set Evans up and, and made it 2-1. And again, that was from winning the ball high up the pitch. And the third came from exactly the same. So the thing I really took away from it was how sort of front foot we were trying to win the ball back in dangerous areas. And for me, it'll be really, really, really interesting to see if we kind of continue with that approach going into into Saturday or whether we decide to kind of revert to what we were doing in the past and, and go to that 3-5-2 again. Yeah, I will be at the Doncaster game on uh, on Saturday and we'll, we'll doubtless try and do some sort of uh, audio diary. The other bit of news that came out today was that, uh, yeah, Sam Bowen has gone to Weldston for the season on loan. Presumably that kind of signals the end of his county career unless he kind of tears up trees there, but he's, he's out of contract at the end of the season. Was that a surprise to you or just kind of, you know, we, we thought this moment would come sooner or later? I think personally for, for Sam Bowen's development, I think he needs to go out and get games now. I, d- I don't think sitting on the bench for county for 46 games is really going to do him any good so I think from his perspective it's great Um, if he goes out and he performs well then he might earn himself another contract here Um, there's obviously a really good footballer there it's just I think he needs to find a place to kind of um, unlock that it'd be interesting to see if that's freed up any wages to maybe try and bring someone else in but I mean you look to Tuesday and there's definitely some players who've actually staked their, their claim I think for for um, for maybe trying to get into that squad it's interesting after Saturday how we look really thin and now we've got a couple of selection dilemmas going into Saturday Bowen like you I think there's a there's a bit of talent there but if ever a player needed to just go and play some football and just re-establish himself it's, it's him um, I'm sure he will end up eking out a living as a as a footballer um it probably isn't going to be at newport county i don't think now but um yeah he just needs to to get some some games under his belt so um yeah well we will we will pick up on some of that no doubt on uh, on saturday um i haven't quite worked out when the next pod will be whether we'll do one after saturday or whether we'll combine the doncaster game at home with crew away if you're going to crew away and you want to send us a diary please get in touch because i don't know anyone else who's going to crew on tuesday night um and we've also got uh, a few belated summer specials that we're going to drop in at some point we've got a chat with um the owners of newport city uh, and we've also got a very very exciting exclusive interview with a very very special guest but i'm not going to spoil the surprise um but listen um dan thank you very much for coming on um tonight and, and giving us uh, your thoughts on the uh, on the open meeting i'm sure we'll have you back on again soon brilliant cheers ed um and yeah we will uh, be back in your ears before too long but yeah as always look after yourselves look out for each other and keep it counting away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.